0: hello and welcome to the game theory podcast i feel like i came in a little bit hot there it is friday night in the united states october 14th we're here to do part two of our beautiful glorious bold predictions podcast for the upcoming nba season which starts next week it's finally here i'm here with shah mcdua we're gonna talk a little bit about the west I'm excited, man. What's going on? How are things for you?
1: Things are great, man. Uh, NBA season is back. I get to watch Zion play, uh, although he's not playing tonight. Um, things things are fun. I'm so excited to for the season to kick off here as the preseason winds down.
0: I know. It's going to be so good, isn't it? It's going to be fun. We're going to get to finally see some exciting players play. Jamal Murray, Zion Williamson, Uh, you get to see Damian Lillard play real important games again, which I feel like, you know, everyone, nobody's talking about the fact we get to see Damian Lillard again. And I could not be more excited to see Dame because that dude is awesome when he's in a highly competitive situation. They're going to need him every night because we're going to talk about the Blazers here in a little bit. As with the podcast that went live yesterday, this is going to be the second part of this Bold Predictions episode. I'm going to give a bold prediction, then Shaman is going to give one. We're going to go back and forth with takes, basically. That that is the way that this one is going to roll. Uh, Shaman, how how are things going for you? I, I feel like it's been since the summer that I've had you on.
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know, it, it was a good summer. I got to play a lot of Frisbee, which is uh, my passion. And uh, <laughs> and that's that's uh, my season. That's personally ended. Now I get to coach. So I coach Tulane University men's team in, in New Orleans. And so go. the summer treated me well. The fall has been good. Beautiful weather out here in New Orleans right now. Um, you know, it was uh, like the high of 85 today. And uh, it's... <sighs> Yeah, man. It's, right now, it's probably like 77. So um, it's, just, it's really nice out here. And I just got back from the gym and I'm shoveling down food. So if you guys see me eating or drinking, uh, that's what's going on.
0: <laughs> I love it. What do you got? Tell, tell us what you got food-wise.
1: Uh, it's nothing special. Actually, it's quite uh, basic. But this is a Morningstar uh, vegetarian chicken nugget. And uh, wow. that was the quickest thing I could throw in the air fire before hopping <laughs> <laughs> on this pod. So I was like, all right, what's in the freezer? Here we go. And um, that's what I'm eating. And I got some uh, key lime La
0: Croix. <laughs> yeah, sure. We got, we're, we're rolling. It's beautiful. Is it La Croix or is it La Croix? I've never known. Uh, in in Ohio, when I was at Ohio State, we called it La Croix. That's all I know.
1: I You know, I when you're trying to be bougie, it's La Croix. And then at times it's uh, LaCroix.
0: (laughs) There we go. I I like that one. There we go. When we're trying to be bougie, it's LaCroix. I like that. And I don't know. Is this a bougie podcast? Probably not, to be honest with it. But It uh, it has its moments. Yeah, that's true. Let's jump in. So... Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first on these Western Conference stakes? Do, do you have something extra spicy that you need to extra get off your chest? Extra
1: spicy your uh, that I need to get off my chest? No, I mean I like to start with positives, so uh, I think yeah, yeah, that, you yeah. know there, there's plenty of time to sort of tear down teams and <laughs> talk about you know how you don't believe in them, but um, you know I think my my big positive uh, to kick things off is I'm a big believer in the Minnesota Timberwolves, and okay. I think they're going to be a home court level team this year, and, and they're going to pose problems. Um, for teams that are increasingly investing in in small ball, which I think has a place in, in the playoffs. And I, and I guess my belief uh, f- with them f- follows them up until the playoffs. When they get to the playoffs, I think it will be matchup dependent. But in the regular season, I think they're going to be an absolute machine. And the way they're going to be able to clean up on the glass, the way they're going to be able to offensive rebound, um, I think they have the perimeter talent as well with with – uh, obviously Anthony Edwards and, and Carl Anthony Towns and uh, D'Angelo Russell and just the presence of Rudy Gobert uh, backing their defense. I just think they're one of those teams that cleans up on regular season wins and and just secures like a three seed or something like that. And you're like you, – you look up and you're like, whoa, how'd they get there in the standings? Because when you when you look back at the last time uh, the Timberwolves made the playoffs before this this past year when they had Jimmy Butler – they were one of the league's best offensive teams, and, and it wasn't because they were, you know, a fantastic shooting team or anything. It was because they were killing teams on the offensive glass. You're getting uh, a, a, a bunch of points in the paint, and, and it was the second-chance opportunities that, like, really raised their uh, possession efficiency. And they were, you know, for, for a Tibbs team, they were a really bad defensive team. And, yeah. and f- until Jimmy Butler went down that season, they were a home-court-level team, um, and then Jimmy Butler missed a, a whole slate of games, and they you know they slid back all the way to the eighth seed um, that year, and they kind of just got whopped by the James Harden Rockets in the playoffs. But um, they for for a large stretch of that season, they were just kind of cruising through wins in the regular season because they were taking all the low hanging fruit, which is what a Tom Thibodeau team does. And I think they will do that and more with the creativity yeah. of Chris Bench.
0: Yeah, I think this is a good take. This is something I pretty strongly agree with. To be honest, I, I do think that the Timberwolves are going to be a great regular season team this year. Uh, Rudy Gobert just raises the tide of the defense at the end of the day in the regular season. He just does. And I actually think their offense is going to be better than their defense. Just being real with it. Like, I think that. Rudy Gobert and Carl Towns pose very substantial problems for any opposing team. Carl Towns is going to be a mismatch nightmare at the four in the regular season when you don't have time to kind of try and like come up with a game plan night after night going into these games uh, to try and take advantage of him off the bounce. You can come up with something, you know, and NBA players are geniuses and I'm sure they'll try and take advantage of the lack of foot speed this team will have on the perimeter uh, on a night by night basis, but it's a little bit harder when you're not actively game planning for it. And I think because of that, their ability to just bludgeon teams kind of like you're saying is absolutely right. Like, I think that's going to happen at the end of the day. I think that uh, this Timberwolves team, it it sounds like you're kind of with me on this and I'll let you stop chewing before we take you off mute. But like, uh, I think that this team probably wins 53 games like something like that That, that's probably right around the range uh and to me like that a a team that has a new identity a team that has such a substantial like new i I don't know i guess that i would say renugo bear is probably their best player um i'll do respect to anthony edwards and carl towns i don't know if either of those guys would agree with that um uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they look like but i think that this is what happens when you have three Let's call them potentially top 25 players in the league, uh, in this, uh, you know, this season at the very least. And Anthony Edwards certainly has ceiling beyond that. I'm going to be fascinated to see the way it all kind of morphs together, but. I think they pose real problems for teams in the regular season. I completely agree with you. Uh, Their offense, just in the way that they're going to be able to space the floor in terms of the way they're going to be able to vertically get downhill toward the basket uh, in terms of the way that like Anthony Edwards is actually a really good fit with Rudy Gobert because Rudy is always constantly diving toward the rim, diving toward the rim Edwards for as much as we love Anthony Edwards and we do like Anthony Edwards' game here at the very least. He is someone that really does feel very comfortable pulling up and not using his athletic tools to just, like, rock the rim constantly. He doesn't get to the foul line as much as you would think necessarily. I actually really like that fit with Rudy Gobert. I think having that downhill presence going toward the basket – is going to be really valuable for him. Uh, And then D'Angelo Russell, like for as much shit as D'Angelo Russell gets, right? Like for as much as uh, people like to try and find fake trades for him, he's still something in the vein of like the 10th to 15th best point guard offensively in the NBA. And he got better defensively last year. So across the board, like this team should be really, really good in the regular season. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really like their thought process. I think it was Chris Finch. Maybe they gave the quote where their their team sort of looked at top 30 players in the league and and looked at who would be available potentially. And then they kind of honed in on Gobert is like, hey, this guy is available and, and yeah. fits um, and, you know, also is locked in long term. So you're not really a flight risk Uh that, that's that's a, a really good thought process for any team to have. Is you know I, I'm a big believer in if you have the ability to go get a top 30 player anytime you should because you're trying to mm. win basketball games. That's that's the name of the game. And the cool thing about adding him is you're not overhauling your offensive hierarchy. Typically, when you're adding a top yeah. 30 player, it, you're trying to figure out okay, well, how does this player fit offensively with my best players? And and there's still going to be some of that in terms of spacing, but it's not going to be. Oh, he wants the ball in crunch time and, or, yeah. you know, he's the one that's used to running a million pick and rolls. So where is he going to see his usage and, and and that kind of stuff? So in, and, and, you know, you talked about him accenting uh, Anthony Edwards game and, and D'Angelo Russell's game. Yeah. He does a lot of that dirty work. You know, Utah will never let you forget about how many screen assists this guy racks up. Right. And, well,
0: and, and all due respect to Carl Towns, like, The dirty work stuff isn't stuff he loves doing, right? Right. Like, let's just call it what it is, right? He's a skill player. Uh, You know, it'd probably be unfair to call him a finesse player because of how capable he is of taking someone down on the block and, like, taking advantage of them with his gifts and his, you know, touch and fluidity and everything. But... He's not someone that's going to, like, crash the offensive glass repeatedly and try to create extra possessions, right? Or, like, you know, he, he's going to try and slip a screen to get to the three-point line and get an open shot. Like, that that's more what his, you know, game is. And that's okay. It's very functional and incredible offensively. It's just – it's its a good fit with Gobert, I think, though, offensively.
1: Yeah, and they're going to get 48 minutes of elite big man play. and And that's not something every team can say. And it's something teams are going to have to match up towards or try to force the Timberwolves hand one way or another, either way um, you know, it represents an extreme in this league and it, it, it's an experiment. I I want to see partially because Chris Finch, when he was in new Orleans, um, they had basically half a year of Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't want to compare that pairing to um, the Rudy Gobert and Towns pairing in, in terms of like what they do on the floor, but it's just the idea of just, adding a a ton of skill at at two big positions and just being bigger than everybody else for 48 minutes. And it's a fun brand of basketball.
0: It's going to be interesting. They need to figure out, like, the three position. I think that they realistically probably need to figure out the backup point guard position. Like, I think they could do a little bit better than Jordan McLaughlin, just getting in and out of offense. I'll do respect well, to McLaughlin. How,
1: how, how much of a believer are you in in Jalen in and Noel? And Because and, I think...
0: Yeah, I like him. I like him quite a bit. I just don't know that he's, like, going to get the team in and out of its sets, right? Like, true, he's just true. a flamethrower off the bench, yeah. right?
1: Exactly, and so yeah, you're right they they will need um you know if they had Ricky Rubio still it goes <laughs> to Ricky Rubio, uh, but yeah, yeah yeah, I mean it it looks uh, their their death is a little bit suspect simply because of how much they had to give up uh to match yeah. gobert's salary and and so while they can withstand you know one of Gobert towns going down probably, it gets a little sketchier when they're already thin weight debt. You know, um, is 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 put under the microscope. So if if McDaniel's or or Sloan will miss time, you know, okay, what what are you doing there? And the guard play, like you mentioned. So if D'Angelo Russell's going down, if um you know Anthony Edwards misses any any sort of time, it it becomes a little bit more difficult to manage. But a lot of teams in the yeah. West, you can say that about right now.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It didn't look like any time a star player goes down. It's a problem, right? Like it's one of those deals where teams are built around the idea of what they can be at their absolute ceiling as opposed to what they can be uh, when things go wrong, right? So anytime a star goes down, it's going to be a problem. Okay, let's move on. I like that. I think that's a good start. I think being positive about the Minnesota Timberwolves, something we did on this podcast often last year as well. Uh, and I'm excited about moving forward. Uh, let's, let's jump into another exciting thing here. Uh, John Morant. There is no more exciting player in the NBA than John Morant. I think John Morant makes first team all NBA this year. That is my take. Uh, he is flying this preseason, I know everyone saw the crazy highlight uh, on Thursday night where he, you know, just ripped the ball from Boyan Bogdanovich and then sprinted full speed behind the back dribble into a tomahawk two-handed dunk. But I just think that this is the kind of game, this is the kind of season we're going to get from John Morant. We're going to get an absolute superstar, one of the five to seven best players in the league, unquestionably, no doubt, from John Morant this season. We're talking. 28 points a game, like eight or nine assists per game. I think that he is going to make all NBA over all but one of, let's say, Stephen Curry, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, all of the great guards in the NBA, Chris Paul, you know, wh- whoever you want to bring up. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to bring up guys off the top of my head. There are many great guards across the league. I think John Morant proves himself to be one of the top two guards in the NBA this season and makes first team all NBA.
1: That's that's definitely a bold prediction, and but I don't mind it because I think you have to ask yourself: if he didn't miss all those games last year, would he have gotten first team? And I think that that's a fair question to ask because Stets making first team, okay, we'll, we'll grant that. Yep. But the Grizzlies being, or you know, made, was going to make first team last year, but the, the Grizzlies having the second best record, uh, if if Ja had played seventy games and in, instead of what was it, yeah. like fifty five or how many plays? 55 played?
0: or something, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, would he have been first team? And I think you can make a case that he could have hit that last season. And and so, yeah. with Jaron Jackson going down uh, and missing however much time he's going to miss, they're going to have to make up that scoring somewhere, that production somewhere. And, you know, he's always he's always on 10. Like he's like every game. Yeah, that's right. That's every, right. Every minute he plays, like he's just, he's relentless. He's, he's just going at you every single time. And um, so, yeah, I can, I I think that is very well within the realm of, of possibility. And frankly, I was, uh, I'm expecting Desmond Bain to make another jump.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Think
1: I'm looking at if, if the Grizzlies are once again, a home court level team this year, it's either a, Morant's having an MVP level season, which he's capable of, um, or B. Bain has made the jump from very good player to All Star caliber, and and yeah. and those those are the two things that I'm looking for. And I, again, I, that's that's another guy where I think he is flashing his game and not at a ceiling yet. Even though he was an older prospect, um, even though you know he was he was really productive last year, I think still, there's still like another level to his game where we might see it this year just out of necessity uh, with, with Jackson missing time.
0: Yeah, with Dez, I think he goes for 20 points per game. That can be like a secondary, bold prediction. But the, the thing that I think is really underrated about the way Memphis has built this team is I know that their over-under win total is lower this year than what it's been in the past. Uh, and what they, what they won last year, right? I think that their over-under win total is something like 47 and a half or 46 and a half, something like that. And I just believe in this team to win regular season games is what it comes down to. Like, I believe that they are just going to out hustle out, compete teams because that's the guy. Those are the guys that they draft. They evaluate and just select guys that are hyper competitive and want to win. And I think that that hyper competitiveness led by John Morant is going to lead them to win more regular season games. I was like kind of on the fence as to whether or not I think they win like more than, you know, 45 games whenever I did the over unders podcast a month ago with Robbie Callen. But the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, they're going to win games. Like John Morant is going to will them to win games. And that's, fucking reductive on some level right like i think that that's like kind of like, it's kind of gross analysis. <laughs> yeah like it's kind of gross analysis just to be like oh yeah like this guy's gonna will a team to win games but you look at the way he competes you look at the way that you know his energy level just lifts the boat it feels like everyone feels like they have to get onto his level on so- in some vein I think that that really helps. And beyond that, he's just an absolute superstar. He is the absolute most athletic player in the league right now. And because of that, he can drive transition play. He can get past anyone at will at the point of attack offensively. Like, he is just going to create so much offense for them. And I'm glad you brought up the point about Jaron Jackson. I think that Dez takes up some of those minutes for Jaron, some of those possessions where, you know, they run – desmond off of more actions and he maybe takes on a couple more on ball reps right but i do think it's going to be a lot more ja morant and i think we're going to see ja while Jaron's out like if he's averaging 30 points a night i don't think that would surprise me because i can see ja morant just saying screw this our guy is out right now and i need to be the dude that carries the boat for us while our guy gets back and i think that because of that he's gonna just completely drive play for them probably averaging 30 points and eight assists for the first two months of the season uh and he is going to be considered a very real nb mvp candidate after those first two months i think at the end of the day he kind of settles in as a first team all nba kind of caliber player
1: so so i am with you on the jaw assessment i'm not with you on the grizzlies being a regular season machine this year and and there's for two reasons why um one, again, it, 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 it is Jaron Jackson Jr.'s injury. I, I think with the combination of Ja returning to the starting lineup um, and Jaron Jackson missing time, their defense isn't going to be as stingy as it was uh, last year. And I think they're going to lose yeah. um, a few more games because of that. Two, I think they've made a conscious decision as an organization to open up minutes for, for some of the younger players. And, and you know that's moving away from yeah. Melton. That's moving away from SloMo, who are – um, not only good NBA players, you know, played pretty solid roles on that team, especially holding them together defensively. And so as you're introducing more minutes to Zaire Williams, as you're introducing more minutes to uh, even guys like David Roddy and um, uh, I'm forgetting who, who, who else.
0: Jake did, Laravia.
1: Yes, Jake, La- Jake Laravia. I think they're making – the decision hey we'll sacrifice some short-term wins knowing that these reps are going to be really valuable and they're going to ultimately raise our ceiling so we're gonna we're gonna develop some of these players and what that may look like is maybe they do win only 45 this year or or, or you know 46 or whatever they're under overs at uh they're over unders at but but it sets them up for the next year and the year after that because these players have played valuable minutes and you know they've gotten that chemistry and so when uh, jaron jackson does return all of a sudden you know the grizzlies are projected to be a deep team but they're now truly a deep team because there's valuable minutes that each of those these young players have played but i think there's going to be a learning curve for those players you know as, as well as they draft i don't think all those players are going to be day one impact players um and, yeah, yeah, and because yeah. of that you know i think there's going to be some sacrifice in the regular season for for wins right now but ultimately you know they're, they're betting on our ceiling will be higher next year, the year after that, because of what we're doing this season.
0: So uh, here would be my counter to that. And I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think there is a real chance of that happening. So they have to make up basically 3000 minutes for De'Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. That's a lot of minutes, right? Uh, Dylan Brooks only played like 800 minutes last year. So they're going to get right around like 1200 extra minutes there. So now it's down to like 1800 that you have to make up. I think they can get you know an extra 300, 400 minutes from Brandon Clark, and I think they can get an extra like 300, 400 minutes from John Conchar and Zaire Williams each, and be fine. Like I think there's a pretty real case. John Conchar is probably as good as the Anthony Mountain is right now uh, in that's the way that he operates. It's a sneaky,
1: it's a sneaky yeah, player John- they have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, John Conchar is really good. Last year, he was 52% from the field, 41% from three, and uh, he only made Rebounding 55% machine. of his 50 free throw attempts. But like, he rebounds super well. He moves the ball along the perimeter a little bit more than DeAnthony does. He does not drive transition play in the same way DeAnthony does, but I actually think for second units where Tyus Jones is in, it's a little bit better of a fit in terms of getting offensive half-court efficiency. I think there is a real chance that John Conchar is just as good as the Anthony Melton is this year. And that's like a wild take for some, I guess, but maybe not. Um, Yeah. I think that they're going to be able to find those minutes, I guess is my take. Like they'll, they'll figure out where they need to get the minutes from. Uh, And it might not even require a crazy amount of the minutes from players like David Roddy and Jake LaRavia. It's just like, if Zaire Williams is ready, if you know uh, i think conchar is ready i think brandon clark's ready like i think they can get the extra minutes they need um while leaning on the rookies a little bit but maybe not as much as people seem to think they're going to have to lean on the rookies
1: that's I, I think i think that that's fair um and you know obviously all we can do is is is, is guess at it but i think uh you know with with regards to, to conchar i'm with you uh with regards to brandon clark he's been kind of up and down with them um and there's been moments where he's been, like, supremely productive. And I think what happens is he works really well with Jared Jackson. And so if you're playing him with Steven Adams, I'm a little bit skeptical on how that, that, that that's going to work out. Uh, and it looks like Santia Adama is going to take that starting spot for now, which is also something, yeah. an experiment that's going to be worth watching. Um, and, you know, I, I was expecting more from Xavier Tillman, and I was under the impression that you know he, he was really um, – ha- productive for them last year and then i i had I was, I was on fast break break fast uh with with keith um i was on that pod and he was telling me you know actually like uh xavier tillman wasn't wasn't fantastic because i i pitched to him i was like you know how how much of a drop off is there from Stephen adams to xavier tillman and he was like a, a big one uh and
0: yeah and, i think oh, i think it was pretty big as well yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and that was something I was for whatever reason I was under the impression that you know Tillman Tillman's been great and, and you know uh, I was a big fan of him in the draft process so I was just not used to well, doing Tillman things.
0: Yeah, I'll even give you something else. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Santi Aldama by the end of the year, maybe not early in the season, by the end of the year, kind of take those minutes. I know the Grizzlies really, really like Santi and what he can bring to the table. Um, he is yeah, I mean, very he can skilled. Play skilled bigs, they, yeah 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 they they like his ability to handle the ball a little bit but more so they think he can shoot it at some point they think he's really sharp they think that he can um you know maybe provide minutes a little bit earlier than what people think i guess is what i would say they they really liked his performance yeah. in the g league last year yeah so, okay I, I don't know i'm in i'm in on the grizzlies this year but i'll give you the floor for your second bold prediction Shaman.
1: my my second bold prediction i went positive in my first one Going negative on this one. I think this is this is a year where we see CP three take that take that step back, hit hit the aging curve. Um, No, and I yeah, I know, I know. Um, I I, I'm just you know, I think there's a lot going on with the Suns, and I don't think that's something that's necessarily going to contribute to it. I think you know, father time catches up with everyone, and I think this is this is the year. I think they had their best shot last year and and whatever was going on in that locker room whether it was you know alleged COVID or just people not getting along, whatever it was they they petered out um in in a way that they should not have petered out and and this year will require uh more of an offensive presence from Mikael Bridges more of an offensive presence from from Cam Johnson um I think Booker's gonna do his thing that guy that guy's a machine I'm I'm not worried about him not really worried about Ayton uh in terms of what he brings to the table I think it's well known what he's going to do i, I don 't count on them trying to really expand his game in in a way that 's meaningfully different than how he 's been utilized before but c p three man my man i I think this is the year where you know those those fourth quarter takeovers cuz if you look at, if you look at the Suns you look at their shot profile last year right and and you look at you know everything else every, like the math just screamed to you this should not have been a good team right they weren't they weren't um, high in rim attempts they weren't high in rim efficiency they weren't high in uh, three point volume or efficiency and and they were just a yeah. buzzsaw in 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 the in the mid mid range area and they were again one of the best clutch teams In the league, and that's been a trend ever since Chris Paul has walked onto an NBA court. Because that guy is one of the best managers of all time, and I think with, if my prediction is correct, if he takes that step back, those clutch time victories, all of a sudden, instead of having like a thirty five and twelve record or whatever it was, um, in 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 crunch time, it it trends more towards five hundred or or worse, and and so, um, that's going to be something. Uh, to monitor. I think teams are going to be able to pick on him defensively a little more uh, this time around as well. And I, I still think he's going to pull out all the classic CP three chicks, but the, the frequency of which he was able to have high level offensive games and take over uh fourth quarters or just make the right play at the right time. I think that frequency is going to finally come down from a superhuman level the way which he's been operating at.
0: Yeah. I've, So it's hard because these things go hand in hand. The way I'm kind of thinking of Chris Paul this year is almost like I wonder if we see him play worse, like in the first through third quarters, and then saves it for the fourth quarter more often, right? Because those are the times where they like desperately need it, and and maybe he lets Devin Booker kind of rock a little bit more uh in the first three quarters and look devin's gonna get his as it is but maybe he lets mikhail bridges go a little bit more uh maybe he lets these young guys that should be a little bit better go a little bit more right like that that could be the move here uh and, and that's kind of like, what feel like he's yeah
1: yeah like throughout his career he's sort of taken the first half to get a feel of the game set the table third quarter maybe probe a little more and then fourth quarter go for the kill like he attacks 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 it's my time and i'm chris paul and and you're right you know it's possible that this year he does even more of that to an extent but i still think those fourth quarter like i'm pretty sure he led the the league in fourth quarter scoring last year if i'm not mistaken at least it was either efficiency Mm -hmm. or points or both you know something absurd like every time you pull up a chris paul clutch stat or fourth quarter stat it's like he's at the top of those leaderboards and and i think this year, the frequency of him being able to do that on a routine basis, even if he takes it easy, the first three quarters, finally, you know, diminishes. that's, that's my take on it.
0: So I don't, I don't mind it. Right. I I don't, I don't mind that take because at some point like aging curves happen. Right. I, I think that aging curves are a real thing and it'll happen. Like, where do we think the sun settle in? This year, I guess, is my question. This team won 64 games last year. That is so many games. Like, they could lose 10 fewer, or they could win 10 fewer games and still end up being a 54-win team, and 54 wins almost assuredly gets you a home court playoff series in the West this year, right? So where do you think that this team settles in?
1: Well, I think that that's part of the larger... um my larger like disbelief in them. Uh, I, I don't. I don't like their vibes, and I don't like their depth. Yeah. So there, there, there's a couple things. One, um, I, I'm not like. I don't think like Jay Crowder is this amazing player that like they can't withstand losing. But they're really thin. Their bench is really, really thin. Secondly, um, they. I I, I. I don't know who they signed as their backup center. It was like Jock uh, Jock Landell, and then maybe someone else. But uh, are they going to try to like squeeze every minute out of this Mac Biombo again this year? If if Aiton misses any time, or if like that's their reserve, I don't know. Maybe right. okay, maybe it's Dario Saric, right? That's that's the return of Dario Saric, and, and that's where we're going to back up five. Um, but it's just like the combination of like, hey, if one of their their main guards goes down, um, and and their wing depth, and their just death in general, I just I feel like they're going to be more in the middle of the pack rather than being a front running team, and I think that's you know again, like you said they 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 won sixty five games they could even be fifteen wins worse and still be a fifty win team and I think that's very possible that they're a fifty win team, but I just don't think they have the same edge or oomph um that they did last year, and so what that looks like i don't know I currently had them i think I had them like fifth or sixth seed um just when I was projecting them out, but if the sixth seed in the west this year could be fifty two wins <laughs> it, could, it could be Man, it could like, be something is- ridiculous
0: yeah, like I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out with them is like what does wh- what does a slight reduction in the efficiency of their shot profile look like? Uh, you kind of brought up the idea of this team not always getting efficient shots, and that's because of who they have on the team, right? Like, Chris Paul loves the mid-range area. Devin Booker likes, you know, shooting from the mid-range. Honestly, Mikhail Bridges, when they run, like, pull up and, like, pick and roll opportunities for him, he similarly does like to operate more in that range, and it leads to a lot of uh, tough twos, let's call them, right? I, I just don't let's say that that goes from being like one, they're the best tough to shooting team in the league, something like that to being the fifth best. I can actually see that really reducing their offensive efficiency by like a more substantial margin than what you would expect. Then again, though, like that shot profile gives them real room for growth you know what I mean? Like, if they decide, okay, we have Cam Johnson in the starting lineup now. We have both Cam and Mikhail in the corners. We have Devin on the opposite side. We have Chris on one side, maybe Chris on the opposite side. Devin on the uh, strong side with the ball in his hands now. We obviously have a great rim runner in DeAndre. Like, there's a space for them to drive a ton of shots at the basket. There's space for them to drive a ton of shots from three now, uh, even in a way that they didn't last year. So, like, The potential is there for them to continue to have like an incredibly efficient offense, maybe just changing their shot profile to adjust to Chris's age more. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I I just don't, I, like, I can't even begin to predict what this team looks like as part of the problem. You know what I mean? Like, I just have no idea. And that's crazy to say about a team that won 64 games last year that didn't really change anything coming like into
1: this season. So, so I, I want to read you this, this stat, right? Um, the, the Suns, their rim and three frequency, right? Their rim and three frequency, they're, the percentage of their shots they either take at the rim or from three was 58% last year. And that is good for 30th in the league. And the, the 29th team was 62%, a whole four 4% higher than that and obviously the rockets led the league at 80%. League average was 68.8%, so they were a 10 uh you know a full 10 percentage points lower than league average. Like that's how far away they were in terms of their shot profile. So you're absolutely right there is so much ground that they can make up um by tweaking their shot efficiency. And I think by putting Cam Johnson out there, you have to utilize the fact that he's an excellent shooter and excellent shooters should get a high volume of three-point attempts. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're wasting them. But I think what you're asking them to do is you're asking Monty Williams to play in a way that he's never played before. He doesn't like playing. You're asking Chris Paul to play in a way he doesn't like playing. You're asking Devin Booker to go against his tendencies as well. So there are three main cogs of, of driving offense. You're asking them to basically do the opposite of of what they're accustomed to doing what they're comfortable doing and and while i think they're all talented individuals who are more than capable of of executing on it if if asked to it's i i question how quickly they're ready to commit to that change and if they even recognize it as 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 a problem you know do they internally view their shot profile as a problem and i think if you give monty williams a truth serum he probably says no Chris Paul probably says, no, like we were one of the best league's offenses. Like, why do we need to change much of this? And Well, yeah,
0: and that doesn't even talk about the defense, right? Like, I have no idea what to expect from the defense because DeAndre Ayton is such an incredibly important part of their defense. And I don't know what to expect from him this year. Uh, Doesn't seem...
1: Does he he make it, it to the end of the year? Do you think he makes it past the deadline? Is he on the Suns at the deadline?
0: I don't I, I don't I think it depends on the first two months of the year, to be honest. Yeah. I, I yeah. really don't know. Uh I I love DeAndre Ayton. I just don't know if he's gonna be, you know, the defensive anchor that he was for them at times. Sure. Um yeah, no, I don't know.
1: Um, I do think there's a drop from from McGee to Sarge, you know, on 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 the bench yeah. units. Even 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 Biambo to Sarge. This <laughs> as what as Bianco was. No, there um, is. Yeah, I mean, unless Jock Landell has a great season, like maybe that that's the breakout guy for him.
0: M- maybe, uh, possibly. Uh, I'm I'm not convinced of that. I guess, but
1: we'll see. But that, that's Let's, not what you uh, should be betting on as a contender. Like if their eyes are, I want to be a championship yeah. team. That's not that's not something you can count on.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with uh, some takes on the West. Okay, we're back. My next take is another positive one. I think the Denver Nuggets win the Western Conference in the regular season. And this is just a team that proved what its floor was when Nikola Jokic is healthy last year. Uh, This team was without Jamal Murray, was without Michael Porter Jr., didn't really have like a significant number of high-end rotation players. It felt like, Uh, I mean, like, look, Monte Morris started 74 games. I would say Monte Morris is probably like the 25th to 35th best point guard in the NBA, something like that, like a a starting quality point guard, but like right on the edge of that. Uh, Jeff green last year played almost 2000 minutes, uh, I, look, Will Barton played almost 2000 minutes last year, but last year was not Will Barton's best season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Austin Rivers played 1500 minutes last season. Faku Campazo played 1200 minutes last season. Jamichael Green played 1100 minutes last season. Uh, a rookie Bones Highland played a lot of minutes last season. They're replacing those minutes with like 2000 Michael Porter minutes, 2000 Jamal Murray minutes. You know, 2000 contagious Caldwell Pope minutes. This team is going to be, I think, way better than what we saw last year. And that team won 48 games. I I think this team has a chance to win 58, 59, 60 games even and not run away with the West. Like, I think it'll be close down to the last month. But I think this team does win the West as long as Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. stay healthy because we just know how good this team is in the regular season with the buzzsaw efficiency that is Nikola Jokic processing basketball in the regular season.
1: I had to find the mute button. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think that's that's a good take. One, the only pushback I have on it is like I don't think you can just pencil in two thousand Michael Porter Jr. minutes. But the overall all concept of you're adding Porter Jr., you're adding Jamal Murray, and in my opinion, one of the more impactful additions is going to be KCP. They've always they've been searching for their their Gary Harris replacement, uh, so to speak the the guard who can chase people around screens and hit threes when 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 you need to and just sort of be um, a defensive presence when you need it. So now they have KCP and Aaron Gordon uh, just uh, just on that perimeter, shoring up their defense, which is a much better starting point than they've had. Um, I can't man. I'm just trying to think back, like when they've even had that kind of defensive talent on the perimeter in the Jokic era, and you know maybe maybe when they had Jeremy Grant, but like still, uh, the point stands: is their defensive versatility um, improved this year? Obviously, they're adding a ton of offensive firepower. I, that's that's a good prediction, in my opinion, provided everyone stays healthy. The Porter Jr., I, 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 I don't know what his back is like. And anytime you start hearing about, like, back procedures and, and that kind of stuff, it, it gets dicey. Um, but, hey, that dude is 6'10 and can shoot 45% from three. <laughs> Talk about a perfect and, – oh, and then dunk it on everybody. Talk about a perfect fit with, with – um, Nikola Jokic, and it, it goes back to the conversation we were having about having excellent game managers who can just orchestrate possession after possession after possession, and and Nikola Jokic being one of the league's premier ones. Um, now having a a backcourt partner in in Jamal Murray because their two man game going back to the bubble was was insane, right? And and they they have really now truly figured out how to play. Uh, with each other and leverage each other's strengths and and like you know the fact that the Murray can pull up um at any time he, he's an off the dribble threat he is shifty with his handles um and he does but, but he can play off the ball he can literally run circles around Jokic until he gets open and whether that's a layup or or, or, or a three that that's going to be um very very exciting to watch um I I, I wish Denver Nugget fans had a better uh uh, way to watch them locally, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, what are what are we doing here? Come on, Denver, uh, get your shit together. Like,
1: yeah.
0: let's let's figure this out. No, but like, look, it, it's a perfectly formulated roster around. Nikola Jokic because Michael Porter is so good as a cutter, he's so good as a shooter, right? Uh, you know, Jamal Murray is a really underrated cutter as a point guard who is happy to play off the ball next to Nikola Jokic, who is going to dominate the ball due to his processing ability in the half court. Uh, you look at situations like uh, KCP, who you brought up, like that, that's a huge get for them because it just takes pressure off Jamal Murray defensively. It's going to allow him to take more, uh, more of a blow, uh, it, you know, on the defensive side of the court which he might need coming back from injury just getting his conditioning back just getting everything back together in terms of his game right uh Aaron Gordon's a huge addition for them too you know we're finally going to get to see Aaron Gordon in the role he was acquired to play Right. Like Eric Gordon was not acquired to be like the number two, number three option on this Nuggets team. He was acquired to be the number four, number five option uh, and play high level defense and take some of the tougher matchups on the wing. I think that his ability to play off Nikli Jokic has already proven to be pretty useful in that setting. Uh, I think that moving him into a role that more befits his game is going to be really valuable for Denver. I think there is a case that this ends up being the best starting lineup, uh, in the Western conference this year, uh, just with the way that all five of those pieces complement one another perfectly. Nikola Jokic is the MVP candidate. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Are the all-star candidates. If things really break right for Michael Porter Jr. Let's say, uh, And then you have the two glue guys in KCP and Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon, the incredible cutter, Jamal, or uh, KCP, really high level shooter, three and D guy can take on tough guard assignments. It all just morphs really, really well uh, in a way that I think makes a lot of sense for the way that this team is actually constructed.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I think Nuggets fans are obviously going to be pleased by this, but just removing those compasso minutes and giving them the bones and investing in that guy uh, is going to do a lot for their roster, and I'm excited to see Bones also take a leap which is now explicitly having control of the second unit. Now that Monty Morris is with the Wizards, and and that's going to be another area where like, hey, he's got um, not a dissimilar skill set to Jamal Murray, but also someone that pairs well with with um, with Jokic. I thought the the Andre Jordan acquiring was a little weird. Um, I, I I guess they're, I have they're, not a fan of, they're not a fan yeah. of, of, of how Zeke Nagy is developing. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, um, but uh, you know that that's going to be something to watch with with, with their big man depth. And uh, there was another thing. Yeah, I mean, like, well, they, this they going to be they
0: acquired Bruce Brown. Like Bruce Brown's another like oh, you
1: know, Aaron. Totally Gordon forgot about that
0: <laughs> type. It works perfect, right? Like he works yeah, really, yeah. really well with you you know, upgrading uh, Austin and... Rivers
1: to Bruce Brown. Like that's a good upgrade.
0: Yeah, totally right. Like, you know, it, it just makes a lot of sense. Like, I really like Christian Brown long-term is a fit with them. I really like Peyton Watson draft. long-term is a fit with this team's core. Like, I, I think that they're drafting guys that make sense. Maybe they play early, maybe they don't. But, you know, Christian Brown, I think, has a reasonable chance to come in and, like, maybe play minutes i think peyton watson is more ready than what he showed at ucla last year at the very least he's shown some you know sneaky active moments maybe in the preseason preseason is a better way to put it as opposed to like real tangible you know rotation level minutes in the preseason so yeah they they just do a really good job of finding guys that complement the players that they have already their stars and their star structure, and that sets them up for success in terms of being able to play. No, I'm a big well, fan. I'm a they've, big, big they've fan. They've certainly of team.
1: increased their athleticism on their roster. Um, yeah, yeah, quietly. Yeah. You know, it, it hasn't. You know, there hasn't been any like huge splashy uh, athletic uh, acquisitions outside of Aaron Gordon. You know, that that guy's a monster athlete. But like you said, you know, you just mentioned Peyton Watson. Uh, you mentioned Christian Braun. Like that those those guys are going to be, I think, good additions, as you mentioned, with things running around Jokic. I just, it's just hard to like when you have a guy like Jokic, it's hard. You can talk yourself into anybody. <laughs> you can put like almost yeah. any NBA player on the roster and be like, yeah, like I, this is gonna work. Like, hey, they can catch the ball and dunk it. Oh yeah, Jokic will pass it to him. Oh, they can shoot. Well, yeah, yeah, Jokic will get it to him. It's like if <laughs> you can talk yeah, yeah, yeah. yourself. Um, into anything there, and I think there's there's a good reason for for optimism. Do you think with this success, if you if you say they're going to be the best team, you think you, then at this point, Jokic is going to threepeat with with his MVP?
0: No, I said on the last Ooh. pod, I think Embiid wins it because I think that the Sixers win the East, but okay. I think that they give it to Embiid this year. Basically, look. I dismissed it last year <laughs> with Jokic. I thought there's no way the voters are going to vote Nikola Jokic for MVP two times As in a, a row. Especially, whatever, yeah. Well, especially after it was like pulling teeth the first time when I thought yeah. he was the rightful winner. Uh, I thought there was no way they're going to do it again, right? They did it again. So look, I'm not about to say that they're not going to do it. If they win the West this year, they could very well do it. But uh, I think that Joel Embiid needs to win an MVP at some point is where I'm at.
1: If 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 Jokic three-peats, that that puts him in very very interesting all-time yeah. conversations and and he's still young. And and obviously like he he has to to truly break into that upper upper echelon uh in all-time rankings. Like he's going to have to win uh a championship so, or two here. But, so like
0: so like Nikola Jokic and Giannis are both 27 years old. Right? Yeah. Giannis has won two MVPs. Nikola Jokic has won two MVPs. I don't even really think it's close which one is more relevant in a historical context. It's very clearly Giannis because he is the title. Right. His finals MVP. Defensive um, player of the year. Defensive player of the year. Like it, 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 It's very clear. Three MVPs in a row. Like, Do you almost have to push Jokic ahead of Giannis? I don't really think so. Um I I, I think it would screw up. Look, the, and the voters have done this many times previously. Like, I think it would screw up the historical context of this era a little bit to have Jokic win three straight MVPs. All due respect to Jokic. Like, I think he's a very deserving MVP winner, MVP candidate year after year after year. And I think that the nuggets are going to be great this year, obviously, but to have him win three in a row in this era, I think would be weird. uh, Given, what he's done so far, I guess, right? I, th-
1: I think it changes. It, it would either then change the conversation of MVP voting moving forward, um, or open itself up to a ton of scrutiny, or both, you know, uh, where, right. where people are like, okay, like we've really got to standardize this, this in, in some way, form, or fashion. But, you know, it's, it's always one of those things where it's like 15 years from now, like, wh- what are people going to look back on? And are they going to look back and say, "Oh, he won these three MVPs, um, and there weren't any other really good candidates," or "Oh, they maybe just kind of voted it, gave it to him, but he never ended up like winning right. anything else significant." I don't know. It's it's going to be it's certainly going to be fascinating no, <laughs> to I say agree. the least.
0: Okay, your last bold prediction, Shama.
1: Okay. Uh The last one. I'm not sure how bold it is, but uh, I feel like the Trailblazers are going to enter the Wembyama uh, Sweepstakes. Okay, and,
0: so. And, I'll I'll hit pause on this one here because I, I also have a Blazers uh, questionable. Uh, bold prediction is my last one, too. So, yeah, c- continue on yours.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, as you mentioned to open this podcast, uh, Damian Lillard is an absolutely electric player and they're going to need him every single night. I just don't think they have the overall talent or the depth to survive what is going to be a gauntlet of a West, a Western conference. And, and should, should Lillard get injured and miss any stretch of like 10 games? I think they're just cooked and, and yeah. they, they got nothing, nothing behind that to, to ride the tide uh, I mean, they were losing games by 40, 50 points. I mean, they were trying to lose games, mind you, last year uh, towards the end of the years, but they were really losing those games. Those were ugly, ugly games. And um, I think you know they have individually some like intriguing players. I would like them more if they had successfully pulled that trade off for OG and Anobi. Um, but you know, I don't think acquiring Jeremy Grant like fixes all of their defense uh you know i think uh, I, I, Anfrey, honestly
0: i don't know if it fixes any of their defense based off the <laughs> right. preseason
1: yeah yeah yeah. i mean I, you know i think you know Anthony simons and, and damian lillard has still have the same challenges of the cj backcourt even though simons is bigger uh he's just but, he, but
0: he's worse good. defensively that's <laughs> <He's>, the problem
1: <laughs> yeah he's just not good defensively um I, I, josh hart is is a pelts fan's favorite but he's he is who he is at this point, and and you know he's going to hustle and play hard. But I don't think he's a tremendous needle mover. Um, in, in any case, Nurkic misses time every single year, and who do they have behind him? What what is the like, big mistake
0: Yeah, yeah. So you bring up Josh Hart. I actually loved Josh Hart for them late in the season. I thought it was one of like the very underrated. Like things that was happening across the NBA was that Josh Hart like seemed to take a real offensive leap in those games that he played with the Blazers. He played what like probably fifteen of them before they were like, "Oh shit, no, he's too good. We need to shut him down." Uh, <laughs> he averaged twenty points on 50% from the field, 37% from three, 77% from the line, five rebounds, four assists. Like, he was really good in those – he played 13 games looking at it now. Yeah, I mean, he was look, awesome.
1: I, he's, a, he's a streaky shooter. I, I don't believe in that 37 – you know, he attempted six threes a game and made 37%. I don't think that's sustainable for him. Yeah. Two, like it's, I don't
0: know it was, if it is like either.
1: It's, it's, it's April basketball. Like, uh like – I. I I, I like that. I'm happy for him. I, I do think he took a leap as a playmaker this past year. In general, we saw it with the right Pelicans too. Um, and for,
0: it was it was like March basketball for what it's worth. Like he he did sure. not play in April because they were like, You're no, right. we can't You're do right.
1: this. <laughs> they yeah, were like we got to get him out of I here. Mean, yeah, I'll, I think he's a streaky player. I think he's going to have amazing games for them. I think he's certainly going to have games where he's like scores four points but grabs twelve rebounds, <laughs> right. and 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 that's what he's there to do. Um, but yeah, it's but just, I guess it's so, like, so here's
0: here's what I'd say about Josh, though. They're not playing him really in that role in the preseason. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, he is like, from the games I've seen, he's been like almost invisible within their offense. Like, he hasn't. This so mouths. I mean, like,
1: it's not like real mouths to feed, but they have mouths to feed because Lillard's right. going to get, you know, he's going to take his shots no matter what, right? Simons, you just paid him a hundred something million dollars. Like you're, you are going to give him shots. Otherwise, why not? Why, why would you not do that? Yep. Um, Jeremy Grant, you don't trade for that guy. And that guy is certainly not someone that's going to sacrifice shots. Like there's already three people in the hierarchy above Josh Hart. And then you're like, okay, well, is Nurkic going to oh, get more and, touches?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, Nurkic <laughs> isn't really, like, a low-usage, like, ball screen and roll center. Exactly. Like, he's, so, he's more of a guy that, like, likes to survey and touch the ball and, like, handle it a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. He likes to play, mate. He likes to do things. And and so wh- where does that leave Josh Hart? And then you, you look at their bench and, and – I... Who is it? I mean, Gary Payton Junior. is not going to like take shots on the bench. Are they going to play Shaden Sharp real minutes?
0: Uh, I think they're going to have to. Shaden have- actually looks like pretty okay in the preseason so far. Yeah, he looks yeah. more ready to play than what I thought he'd be. Uh, and, and that'll be critical, right? Like, yeah, Shaden, I, I mean, I think though, minutes, they're going to have yeah. to play
1: him. I I do think they're going to lose those minutes by a hefty margin. Like the, the plus minus is not going to be good in Shaden Sharp minutes. Um, and and it's well like, you, okay, here's. Well, here's like, Here's the thing. You trust we're Keon talking Ellis? about
0: offense. <laughs> we're talking about offense here. <laughs> their defense is terrible.
1: The defense like, is so bad, and it always has been. Like, it's always been terrible. And they blame it on like the, we're the, the, we're
0: talking about like finding guys shots. Like we're talking about like oh we need to find Josh Hart shots. Like Josh Hart's good, but their defense is really bad. Like and their defense looks bad this preseason again, rotationally their defense looks like they still haven't figured out like where they need to go, how they need to move with uh, within sync and be one rotationally uh, because at the end of the day, it goes back to what you said at the top, Damian Lillard coming off of an injury and Anthony Simons just being Anthony Simons at this point of his career, you know, maybe he gets a little bit better as he gets to being 25 years old as opposed to 23 years old, 26 years old as opposed to being 23 years old. Um, they just aren't good enough to contain the ball. And then once that ball contained gets broken, it's kind of over for them. You know what I mean? Like they, they just don't move well enough as one to really make it work. Uh, Gary Payton's going to be missing. Like, it seems like a few weeks here to start the year. I, I would not be surprised if they have the worst defense in the league through three weeks, Uh, like before Gary Payton comes back. Basically, I think it's going to be really, really bad. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, I, I so th- this, my prediction was they win like under 34 games, basically. I think they're over under is like 39 and a half or something. So that's like a pretty substantial, like, you know, I'm setting it basically like 34 and a half. That's a pretty big drop off there.
1: I, I'm just,
0: yeah. I mean, th- this could go poorly. I think this could go yeah. really poorly.
1: You know, the, those first three weeks that you mentioned, I'm, I'm pulling up their strength of schedule right now. So give me a second. Um, So they're, they're in, they're in the average line of strength of schedule it's fine. You know, it's not neither good nor bad. Um,
0: Yeah. I I, I don't really agree with that. Looking like I'm looking at the teams, right?
1: Oh, oh, wait, I didn't even, I didn't filter it for the, for the dates. Okay. Let me, let me do it. Yeah. So,
0: so October 19th opening night for them is at the Kings. The Kings can slice you up offensively. Like, I have no idea if the Kings are going to be oh, able to
1: defend either. So Thanksgiving, they're, they're like, they have like the sixth hardest or uh, fifth to sixth hardest at the schedule. So it's not good. Right. You're right. You're absolutely right.
0: So, so they play the Kings, they play the Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, Heat, Rockets, Grizzlies, Suns back to back, Heat. Then they get a respite against the Hornets. Then they get Pelicans, Mavericks, and that's their first 13 games. Jesus. That's, that's a loaded first thirteen. Like that could look bad. You can start four and, four and
1: nine. Early. Like in that 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 yeah. could be three and ten. And and when at what point do you decide? Hey, this really tall French dude.
0: <laughs> maybe we should. Well, It won't be that team. early. Yeah, no, like it won't right. be that early that they make that call. But especially like,
1: with Dame on the team, like they're gonna probably wait till the deadline. Right. And, like, and it, even at the deadline, they will be buyers the because the play in because. The, the play and they will want to try to make it for the play. Like, oh well with, with Dame, if we if we can get one more piece at the deadline and right. you know, the Pelicans did it, like, we can do it too. Um and actually they did. They, they have done they 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 in the bubble, they were part of the first play in team that, you know, made made the um playoffs there. But still like with with Dame yeah, on like, the roster, they're gonna try to go. I don't think, I they think will they're totally
0: gonna I think they're going to be favored in one of these first 10 games. I like I don't think they I don't think they're going to be favored against the Kings opening night cuz it's at Sacramento, right? No. No. So like that's that's maybe a toss up, but like Suns no, at the Lakers no, Nuggets at home no, Heat at home probably not. Rockets at home they'll be favored. Grizzlies at home probably not. No. Uh Suns on the road, Suns on the road, Heat on the road. Like, that's one game that they're favored in in the first 10. That could turn bad in a hurry. Um, And that's without Gary Payton, who is like their savior defensively this year. And he's a great defender, but like, and great at what they need defensively in terms of ball pressure and in terms of being able to guard at the point of attack. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I agree with you. Uh, look, I think Dame is there for the long haul. Seems like he wants to be there, uh, but I, I, mean, I do when think you at some can point
1: earn they your way to over half a billion dollars. Yeah, I don't blame that at all, man. That is, there are bigger things in life, and I, 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 I don't have any qualms with what Dame's trying to do. Whether you know he's basically like keep paying me the max you can possibly pay me, or send me yeah. somewhere if you don't want me, but I'm not going to put you know I'm not the one that's going to put my foot down. I'm just going to take. I'll, I'll ask for all the money I can get.
0: No, I agree. Um, we're we're done here. I, I think the Blazers are going to be tough. Uh, going to be a tough watch at times this year. Dame will provide some spark moments, but I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from them. While I have you, given that we did the same uh, final bold prediction, let, let's talk Pelicans because I am excited to see this team. I don't know what to expect from this team just because of – Like the zion Jonas combo, the way that offensive roles will kind of settle in, all of it, right? Like I think it's going to be just a weird mishmash of figuring things out early, as much as anything. Like they're going to have to figure out roles, opportunities. Do they play Herb Jones and... You know, Dyson Daniels together at times with non shooting. You, can you play Herb Jones and Zion together regularly uh, with their non spacing uh, and shooting? Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like, I just don't know what to expect, I guess. So I'll, I'll ask you. You're the expert here. So you, give, give me some Pelican's takes. What are you, yeah, what are you so- expecting to see from them?
1: You know, I, I I do expect them on on a, on a on a big level and large level. I, I expect them to be a good team because I, I agree think, with you
0: on that. For what it's worth, like I yeah. I just don't know how it's gonna be good. I guess so their, right.
1: Their pathways to be good, in my opinion, are going to rely on their interior presence on multiple fronts. So it's it's Zion's historic ability to attack the paint and rim. Um, it's it's. That efficiency, it's it's Jonas also being a factor there. Um, so one, I think they're going to lead the league or close to it in free throw attempts. How many Zion makes? You know, we'll see. But that's going to even if he makes sixty five percent, you're getting one point three yeah. points per possession, which will be the best offense in history of all time, and it wouldn't be close. So so you know, I think they're going to lead the league in free throw attempts. They were, I want to say they were. Two, one or two last year, even without Zion, um, they were they were pretty high up there. But I think they're going to lead the league there. I think they're going to lead the league in offensive rebounding or be very close to it. I think Minnesota has the other argument there. Um, but they, for the last three years, they've been an absolutely elite offensive rebounding team. And if you're giving this team second chances, their possession efficiency is going to be very high. Um, and I think you know that's that's just that's just strictly offense. And I think Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. Are good enough self creators to where when the offense does hit lulls, uh, they, they you know they can score at least like one point per possession just off their mid range magic, like, and just keep the offense afloat until someone finally like breaks loose. And they have the ability to ignite, like you know CJ can can absolutely get hot, Brandon can take over games, so. I think the offense is going. If everyone remains healthy, they should be a top five offensive team because they're going to take care of the low hanging fruit. They're going to be an absolute menace um, at the best shots in the league, which are free throws and you know rim attempts, and 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 they have enough creation to, to to take care of the rest. So that's that's where I'm coming in from them being good. I think defensively is going to be pretty big question mark uh on on how they operate but i'm optimistic that they can again take care of the low-hanging fruit because they will be an elite defensive rebounding team uh that's that's been one of their strengths for the last three years i think there's no reason to assume that's that's not going to be the case this year um so that you know if if they're good at the the defensive rebounds and not giving opponents second chance points while also being a good offensive rebounding team and being a good a team that converts a lot, they <laughs> should they should because of all of those things, they should play a lot more half court defense rather than transition defense. And and if they can do that, if they can force teams to to play half court ball by nature, that you know that should deflate some of uh, the opponent offensive efficiency. And I think that this should be good enough to get them in the the fifteen to twentieth range of of defensive teams. I don't I don't anticipate them being better than fifteenth. Than I don't anticipate them being much worse than twentieth. Um so if they're you know if they're in that range and they're top five offense, um, I think they're gonna they're gonna clean up on a lot of regular season wins. And I, I, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of fit question marks that we haven't seen addressed in the preseason because they literally have not played any of their starters together yet Brandon Ingram's practically missed the whole preseason uh he should be playing right now um actually I, I haven't checked but theoretically playing as we're speaking <laughs> Brandon ingram's on the court right now um but uh but yeah you know he's he's missed the whole preseason cj has been in and out herb missed one. Uh, a game, and then they're they're resting Zion for for this final one. So the the starting five has not seen the court together yet. Their first test will be against Brooklyn on opening night, and um, it'll be interesting. I, I do think I'm less concerned about the Jonas fit because Zion and Stephen Adams for for all of their clashes uh, still produced a really good offense when on the court together, yeah. and yeah. and I think you're not going to lose that with with Jonas, and and they, they should be able to do creative things where hey, if a team is helping off of Jonas, well, maybe Jonas is on the weak side of the floor setting a pin down for C.J. McCollum. And and if you're letting C.J. McCollum get off of a screen free uh, and your big's not out there meeting that at the level of the screen, then that's going to be a shooting gallery for for C.J., whether that, that's um, a step-in 20-footer or that's a three, like CJ's going to make a lot of those shots. Um, and again, if you're, if you're leaving Jonas by himself, he will eat you alive on the offensive glass. So, um I, I'm optimistic with how that fit looks. Herb Jones, uh, I I need him to be at least a thirty five percent catch and shoot guy on decent volume. But even if he doesn't hit that, I think they will by keeping him with those talented offensive players, um, the offense will, will you know will be fine. You know, he, he can be the Bruce Brown of, of that team. I don't think he I think he's more talented offensively than, than Bruce Brown. There's certainly what they're doing this year is they're putting the ball in his hands and letting him initiate the offense. And I think that also helps raise um, raise the the spacing a little bit because you know if he's bringing the ball down the court and he's going to ball screens immediately, you have to account for that. And and if you don't account for that, then he's competent enough to put the ball on the floor and and attack the rim. Yeah. So the, those, the thing you know,
0: that's helpful, kind of thinking back, because you brought up the idea of like the 2021 team, right? Yeah. The thing that's helpful thinking back is that Zion figured it out playing with both Stephen Adams and. Eric Bledsoe Bledsoe on the court (laughs) Yeah. Like, the fact that Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams were on the court together, two guys that just get no respect whatsoever as shooters. And, like, that was a time when Brandon Ingram, like, got less respect as a shooter as well
1: uh, than what he does now. He converted, but they weren't defending him.
0: They don't defend him as much. And Zion still figured it out. Now you do have CJ McCollum there, who is a genuine sniper from three. Like... It becomes more interesting. I think that, you know, if the thing that stands out most in my mind with like the Zion stuff is like the incredible fun that was like the JJ Reddick Zion Williamson two man game. Like that is still my favorite thing that we've seen from Zion Williamson on a basketball court yet. Um, essentially like letting JJ Reddick be the screener for Zion Williamson and letting those two just kind of rock on the empty side of a court. And it's just like an almost impossible guard because of the mismatch problem that Zion
1: creates. And now do that with CJ McCollum, a guy who can. Right.
0: Now you do that with CJ McCollum.
1: What's funny is uh, it- we asked him about, we asked Zion about this in in training camp. I think uh, it was actually, I was like, dude, was it me who asked him? I'm pretty sure it was me who asked him. And uh, I was uh, – but it may have been someone else. But, you know, I think I asked him – maybe I asked him a bit. Who cares who asked it? Anyways, we asked him about this specific question, your game with, with J.J. Redick. Um, and he was like, you know, I love J.J., but no disrespect to him. Uh, C.J. can actually dribble or something like that. It was, yeah. it was a pretty – I think
0: J.J. would probably be like, yeah, that's right.
1: Like- <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, yeah, and so, I mean, I, that, that's, that takes that two-man game to another level. Whereas CJ, yeah. you can you know you can do that inverted pick and roll, and all of a sudden, if you've kicked it out to CJ and he's covered well, like if someone's flying to attack that you know um, that 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 closeout, then you know he can put the ball on the floor and and, and zoom by that person. Whereas typically, well, someone's and red-
0: and you can run like the traditional pick and roll with CJ uh, right. with Zion as the screener, where the big basically has to stay at home on CJ because he's such a lethal mid range shooter as well. And can handle the ball and get to that spot where he's going to make a shot. And because he has to stay at home, that means the guard has to stay on Zion longer, which you can honestly probably like string out even more. If you're CJ at times, like you can string out that big and get the mismatch of Zion on that guard more often, like that two man game between CJ and Zion is going to be lethal. In big ways, and then you have Brandon on the second side of the floor, and that, that could um, go. Re- this, this is going to be a top. I, I don't know. I don't remember what the exact number what you said was offensively. Said this five. is going to be a top five offense. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be a top five offense.
1: And 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 so I, I do think it'll take some time to figure out the to iron out the the kinks in in the crunch time situation in terms of who's going to initiate who you know who who's going to take mm. that last shot that kind of stuff that that will take time. Brandon Ingram. Historically, when incorporating a higher usage player with them, has taken uh, a few, you know, a few games to get accustomed to, like where where his spots are. Same thing with CJ McCollum, like, I, and I think it's natural when you, when you have three like offensive talents who are all used to creating shots for themselves. Like, it, it, there's going to be a period of adjustment that comes with it. But I just think that they can play in such versatile ways. We haven't talked about our our, our favorite player, our collective favorite player, Sam Trey Murphy the <laughs> third. <laughs> that dude's been unreal in the preseason and i just you know i recorded my podcast with mason um, Love him. Before Love I got, him. yeah before i got on here with you and i was like mason i got my hot take i think trey i don't even think it's that hot trey murphy has to close games for this team like i understand um in in the lineup i pitched was was you know you're either taking Jonas off in crunch time or or, or you're taking C.J. off in crunch time, which I think realistically, like C.J., like Willie Green's never going to bench C.J. Like that, that guy's just going to play. shouldn't crunch. do
0: that. I, I disagree yeah. with you on that for what it's worth, but
1: yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a long-term thing. You know, maybe that's like two yeah. years from now or a year from now. But for now, you know, you take Jonas off and you put Trey in there and your lineup is C.J., Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Herb Jones – Trey Murphy. I mean, I, I I think especially if Trey takes that that step uh, uh, defensively. I mean, the dude's like six ten now, and and uh, monster wingspan, huge athlete. He's like the same measurables as, as John Collins, and and so I, I think it does involve Zion taking another step up defensively, uh, being more engaged as as a as a weak side defender, especially um, as as drives come come to the rim and and being more willing to. Uh, attack the defensive glass historically and as an nba player zion's not been a fantastic defensive rebounder um there's got to be more of that for small ball units with him at center quote unquote to survive and and uh, um and 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 and
0: that's part of what makes this team so fun right like we haven't even mentioned like Larry Nance being able to close games and be like a smaller center that can close games, depending on what the lineup is. Right. And Obviously Trey Murphy. That's can who they have
1: pegged right them. now. Like that's, that's the buzz out of camp is like Larry Nance is their backup center. And that's probably who they're going to close games with. And, yeah, and I think Larry
0: Nance is great, by the way, like I'm an right. enormous fan of Larry. Um,
1: Huge fan of Larry.
0: There's just a lot of different ways that they can do things. Like, Jackson Hayes was like sneaky. Okay. For stretches last year. I, I was like very worried about Jackson. Put Hayes. Him
1: at the floor and-, and they rattled off enough wins to make them play. And, like uh, those lineups yeah. were positive. They did not lose those minutes.
0: Yeah, no, like I-, I was worried about Jackson Hayes being an NBA player, like coming into last year. And by the end of the year, he was a starter on a playoff team. So like Jackson Hayes is what the ninth or 10th man on this team, like something like that right. now.
1: And, and, and Devontae Graham is right there with him, you know, Niners. Yeah,
0: and and then you have like Dyson Daniels, who looks really like ready this preseason. Like he looks like he's, he's going to be the 11 play man. He
1: probably right does not crack the rotation until someone gets hurt or traded. Right,
0: right. So like the number of different ways that this team can match up with you, it can go super big with Jonas. It can go big and mobile with Larry. It can go small with Zion at the five. It can go honestly like. Super small and skilled with Zion at the five and Brandon Ingram at the four. If you wanted to, and then bring in perimeter players, like it, it's they the different ways little they little can little match up with teams.
1: Used. Yeah,
0: yeah. The different ways Jose that they Alvarado. can match We're up. We about Jose. <laughs> yeah, and he's like a useful backup point guard, right? Like right. it's the different ways they can match up with teams. I think is what makes them such a difficult. Problem to solve on a night to night basis when again, you're not like you know, trying to come up with different exact, you have tendencies for players, and you know, obviously, these guys, veterans, have played for a long enough time to know tendencies for guys, right? But like, you're not coming in with like a set game plan, this is how we're going to attack this, we're going to run our stuff, we're going to make it work. But because they have different lineup flexibilities, it's going to create a lot of problems for opposing teams. I said that I thought that the over-under for the Pelicans, what is it? It's like 45 and a half, 40, something like 44 that. 44
1: and a half or something like that. It's pretty low. 44
0: and a half. I think they win 50. That's where I'm at. I've like completely yeah. come go, around Sam. on Let's this Pelicans <laughs> team. Yeah, I, I think I was very wrong. Robbie like convinced me. Robbie was all in on the over at the time, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't know how this is going to operate. But the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, I think this is a 50-win team. I just think that they have so many different ways that they can present problems for opposing teams. Like, I I think this is a better team than Dallas. I think this is a better team than, like, you know, a couple of the teams that finished above them last year. I don't know if they're better than Phoenix necessarily, but, like... Yeah, I had
1: like I had, I then, had them in, in that pack with I, this year. I had them in that pack with Phoenix and, and Memphis, mostly because I, I thought Memphis would take a step back. Phoenix takes a step back. And then I have Minnesota in that same pack. Like, I think like the front runners for me in the Western Conference are uh, the Clippers, Nuggets. And I'll put the Warriors in there, you know, because of what they yeah. accomplished. Um, and, you know, I could hear an argument either way that Warriors should be higher or lower or whatever. But, OK, let's pencil those three teams in there. And I think there's a next pack um which which will include the Suns, the Grizzlies, um and I'm putting the Pelicans in there and, and the Wolves in there and, and that rounds out my top five top six. That that rounds out that's six or seven. Whatever, dude. It, it rounds out my, my tiers. Yeah. And then everything else is is the play in tier, which is um, you know, you're looking at, at the other LA team. You're looking at the Kings. You're looking at whatever the Blazers are trying to be. The Mavs actually I forgot completely forgot about them. Like I think the Mavs could be a seventh or eighth seed this year. Um, despite everything,
0: so yeah, the Mavs have Luka Doncic, who is like rightfully the favorite to win MVP right now. Maybe not rightfully, but like you can make a case for him as the favorite for MVP right now. And that team, I would also have them seventh, I think, in the West coming into this year because I would also have, you know, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves. That's four. Um I would have the Pelicans ahead of them that's 5 I would have the Grizzlies ahead that's 6 um like I, I think I would oh in oh, Phoenix like what am I doing I think I'd Dallas yeah, eighth, right. to be honest which is just crazy yeah, I like mean, I, I feel like yeah the, the west is such a gauntlet this year it's just going to be like this is what the play-in tournament was made for like this year's western conference exactly, exactly where there exactly. are 11 teams vying for 10 of these spots they're going to want home court advantage so everyone's going to play longer and play more like substantially throughout the course of the season they don't want to live in the play-in tournament this is just going to be incredible it's going to be inc- and, and, incredible and, to watch the west
1: it never shakes out like this right and it's always one team that either catches fire and then there's like always another team that just is completely like hit with injuries and you're just like yeah well you know they were they were going to be good but can't do anything about it and so yeah there's going to, you know, and
0: it'll happen, right? Like sure. that'll happen yeah. at some point. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I am. I'm so ready for this. Shamit. This is a great way to preview the season. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on.
1: Yes, sir. You can find me at fear. The Brown on Twitter. That is my Twitter handle. I have a podcast with Mason Ginsburg called in the no, which is spelled N O uh and it is about pelicans basketball we just put out an episode this morning uh actually this afternoon and you can catch it on youtube and or boot crew media which is where all my work is found these days
0: go follow Shamet. he does great work uh we will have him on again very soon i very much enjoyed this we will not go five months or whatever we did this time uh without having him on because this is very very enjoyable to talk to him as always this has been the game Theory podcast please remember rate review subscribe do everything you can to support the show we will be back later on uh probably on monday at this point sunday night monday morning uh for the folks until next time though we'll talk soon bye